0: sports are such a big part of all of our lives from the big plays to the unforgettable games they continue to inspire us in unimaginable ways but what happens to the athletes the warriors and heroes of our time when the game is finally over and the sport they love and work their entire lives pursuing greatness at continues on without them how do they cope with the transition how do they find purpose reclaim their identity and work towards a vision of the future. As a former professional athlete, playing in the NFL for eight seasons, I know the unique challenges that these athletes face. On this podcast, these athletes will share their stories and how they navigate life beyond the game. What's up everyone? Welcome to another episode of Life Beyond the Game. Today's guest is Prince Daniels Jr. I've been following this guy for a while from a distance on social media. Really uh, excited to have the opportunity to connect with him. And I know that this is just the, the beginning of a really strong relationship um, super aligned with what this guy's doing where he's at he's very into mindfulness he's written a book about it the athlete mindset not sure exactly if that's what the book's called but it will be in the show notes Um, you know and i find it fascinating this is uh obviously i have a bunch of, of former athletes on this podcast and um you know it's fascinating how uniquely challenging it is to transition out of sports especially at the pro level uh, and how isolating and uh, and lonely it feels. Um, you know a lot of people think you know as an athlete, it's like what do you have to complain about? You made a lot of money, you lived your dream, like go do whatever you want. you get to retire at a young age. Uh, but there's just so many more unique challenges that it's just really hard to describe, um, especially if you haven't experienced it and you know it's part of the intention of this podcast and you know it's finding fascinating Prince is a, I've, I've had a number of guests, but Prince also shares his journey of, um, getting really close to attempting suicide. I mean, I guess you could call it an attempt of suicide. He was minutes away from pulling the trigger and um, one of the top running backs in the country in college football, um, getting drafted to the Baltimore Ravens and, you know, a couple seasons on IR just never really able to make it um, and eventually kind of fizzling out and, You know, it's an all too common story where guys who have a dream and they're so close to making it a reality. And there's just so many lessons and challenges. And the really cool thing about Prince is that he's alchemized his story and the energy and the lessons and into the work that he's doing now, really passionate about helping former athletes and current athletes uh, with their mindset. And, you know, on his journey, he's actually uh, become a practicing monk and actually spends a lot of time at, uh, the monastery that he's really learned all these deep practices, um, not only how to reach higher levels of awareness, but, uh, learning more about himself and who he is on a deeper level without these stories, um, of who he thought he was. And, you know, I truly believe this is a journey that we all must go on the journey to finding ourselves. And I'm really grateful as a former athlete, um, faced with the pinnacle, the fall from grace from professional sports, because it really has forced me to ask these existential questions. Like, who am I? Who am I without this thing that has defined me for so long? And Prince has one hell of a journey, one hell of a story. And I'm really excited to share it with you. Um, you know, it's kind of a long podcast, um, but he does really drop some, some, some words of wisdom and and it really kind of, kind of starts really getting good about halfway through. Um, I hope you enjoy this podcast. Uh, I know I did. And, uh, before we dive in, I just want to give a little, um, shout out to myself and what I'm working on. Um, if you've been listening to this podcast or you've been following me, you know, I launched community for former pro athletes to help navigate these unique challenges and really connect with each other, with ourselves and reach higher levels of awareness and success outside of the game. And, uh, really excited. We just hosted our first retreat, uh, first weekend of June. Absolutely blew me away. Um, it was, it was, I mean, it blew my expectations away by a thousand fold. And I know everybody that was there, it had a profound impact on, and uh, I'm just really grateful, proud of myself, proud of all the guys that showed up and just really grateful about continuing to grow this community with the right kind of guys uh, so they can have a positive impact, not only in in our lives, but in the world as well. Um, I I do want to announce that uh, our next retreat is going to be the first weekend of September, September 4th to the 7th. Uh, it is going to be a whitewater rafting experience and I am really stoked about it. There's only limited availability. Um, and so if you are interested in it, go check out the heartcollectivecom uh, slash retreats um, or I don't know if that'll actually get you there. Go to the and then find the tab that says retreats and you'll be able to find some more details, sign up on the wait list and get it rolling limited spots available, former pro athletes only. Um, if you're not an athlete, we still are providing a lot of amazing content for non-athletes as well, like our masterclass series. So if you want to stay up to date with that, have some amazing speakers this summer, uh, go to the Heart Collective. That's H-A-R-T, theheartcollective.com. Put your email in, join our mailing list, and you will stay up to date with all of the amazing content that we're creating for both athletes and non-athletes alike. And yeah, without further ado, I hope you enjoy this very powerful podcast with Prince. Prince, what's up, brother? How you doing, man? Man, I'm doing amazing. Joe, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I know we are very much on a similar path, um, and really excited to kind of dive into your football journey, your story, and kind of where you're at now. Um, I know before the before the call, you identified yourself as a as a monk. Is that something <laughs> that you would you would call yourself and label yourself? I do. I'm. I will, man. Um... I,
1: I, I lived at a monastery, and um, I enjoyed that time being at the monastery. And after I'm done with all of my responsibilities uh, with being a father, you know, uh, I'm still going to be an incredible father and, and husband. But um, once everyone is is self-sustainable, then I'll go back to living that monastic life.
0: So, mm-hmm. uh, yes. How I long made. were you there for um, initially on that um, initial journey?
1: On that initial journey, I was there for um, a year, and then it was a lot of on and off from there, Man. just frequent visits. But yeah, I spent a significant amount of time there uh, doing the work and yeah. working, <laughs> working on myself and working on my spirit, working on my mind, working on my body, just working on every single uh, facet, uh, you know, of life and just trying to. Will everything back in and figure out where, where, where I went wrong. I mean, where I lost myself.
0: Mm, that's beautiful. And I'm really excited to kind of dive deeper into that and what that journey was like. Um, but let's, let's kind of back it up a little bit and, and, and share some context with with the readers on, on maybe that journey of, of losing yourself and finding yourself. And, you know, I know you, um, you played football as a huge part of your life. Um, like most of the guests on here and most of the people we connect with, um, huge part of our identity. And so let's kind of back up and, 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 and maybe share where, where that love for football began. And then we can kind of dive into some of the lessons and the journey and the, and the things that it taught about who you are and what you're capable of.
1: Yeah, man. So start off by me falling in love with, um, with football. Uh, I happened at a younger age. Uh, when I was little, I wasn't allowed to. Uh, I think I played one year of Pop of football. And then after that, my parents was just like, "No, nah, we're not gonna let you play anymore." But I was really good; I excelled at it. And uh, uh, shortly after that, I remember uh, my mom and I were watching a game, the Houston Oilers at the time we were living in Houston, and the Houston Oilers versus the Detroit Lions. And Barry Sanders was 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 you know Barry Sanders was doing his thing, man. <laughs> and I just watched Right. And Uh I remember when he scored a touchdown, he made it look so effortlessly. And I remember tears welling up in my eyes. And I looked at my mom and I said, I'm going to be in the NFL just after watching that. I was just inspired by his ability to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And so I knew right then and there, I felt it in my heart that I was going to play in the NFL. How old were you when that happened? I was, man, and I, I, I want to say 11 years old, around hmm. 11 and 12 years old, man. And from that, I was just like, yeah, I'm going to be in the NFL. I just knew it. Uh, and so from there, um, time went on um, in high school, a uh, uh, standout athlete. And uh, it was time to make the transition from high school to college. I got all these um, letters and offers from, you know, schools like Tulane, um, Michigan, Michigan State, uh, Purdue, uh, Wake Forest, and uh, Colgate, Brown. You know, the list goes on. Stanford, the list goes on. It was just a number of people. uh, I'm a number of schools, you know, recruiting me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't do well on the standardized tests. I was really smart in the classroom, but when it came to standardized tests it was, after a while I was just like, all right just choose C <laughs> B or a and um, and and so the day of uh, the, the signing day I didn't get a scholarship Wow uh, yeah so you know that was a, a really em- embarrassing moment mm-hmm. right um, you, you got the all-star of the football team who is not signing. Anywhere. Um, so I had all these scholarship offers on the table and now they're all gone. So now I'm just looking like, ugh, like what's next? And so um, luckily, uh, doing track practice. So later on uh, after the season. Um, well, let, let me let me back up. I did take an offer. I, I did take a trip to a school to North Texas and they offered me a partial scholarship. You know, um, have they pay for half of the tuition, and then I can earn a scholarship. Um, and I turned that down because um, uh, that was the first time that I ever got drunk, and I was seventeen years old. And I remember saying to myself, "If this is what we're gonna do, I don't want to be here." <laughs> <laughs> like that, I made my mind up right then and there. And I remember I made amends with God, with God. I was just like, "God, if you get me out of this, I'll never do this again." And so, <laughs> <laughs> asking I God, kept, I, <laughs> <laughs> and I kept my word, man. And so um, I didn't, I turned on a scholarship to North Texas. And then from there, I just didn't, I didn't have any more offers. So I didn't know what to do. So I was just, just sitting around, you know, with a prayer and a hope and a dollar and a dream. Mm. And luckily uh, one of the coaches from Georgia Tech that came to recruit uh, one of our defensive players for the first time. That was their first year of recruiting at our school, and my coach had told him about me. I'm just like, hey, we got a we got a diamond in the rough, a guy who fell underneath the radar. He said, man, a smart student, you know, GPA is 3.6. He said, um, he just fell on the radar because he didn't do well on, on the standardized tests. And see, at that time, everybody was getting someone else to take their test for them. And you know, I had a lot of pride, man. I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna take my test. And plus, uh, like from where we live a 100 mile radius it was it was uh it was uh um want to say oh everyone knew me everyone knew me you know so i couldn't i couldn't fake an id why my name is prince <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah I mean, okay. this whole this whole idea of standardized testing is is so outdated to like really judge someone's intelligence on the ability to sit still especially a kid to sit still for five, six hours and fill in the blank on these tests. It's a memorization thing. I mean, I just, I didn't do well on tests either. I don't think a lot of people did. So I think it's fascinating that it was such a, especially you have good GPA, you're such a good athlete. It's like they look at that one thing and I think it has shifted a little bit, but that's, that's quite fascinating.
1: Yeah, man. So I had to take the test. I took some Kaplan classes as well, and I still didn't do too well. (laughs) (laughs) But I eventually ended up passing it. Mm -hmm. And, um, Make a long story short, the coach, he came to re- he came out to um, check me out. I was at track practice. At that time, I was doing, like, um, handstands from the crow position and just popping up, boop, and
0: then going back into it, boop, boop. So were, you, were you into yoga at that time and doing all that stuff? No, just for fun? no,
1: it was just for fun. Yeah. Just I was just really strong. You didn't you know, know it was a crow pose then. <laughs> did you? I didn't know it was <laughs> a crow pose. I just <laughs> knew that You're I was just doing off. something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just showing off before track practice. And so he came out and he was just like, hey, um, I saw um he was, he was like, I, I saw saw some film on you. And I was like, oh, okay, what'd you see? He was like, well, I only saw one play. He said, it doesn't matter. He said, I just want to tell you, you look damn good. And I was just like, oh, okay, thanks, coach. And so it's like, hey, I'm, I'm a coach from Georgia Tech. Uh, my first year of recruiting, you know, I became to recruit somebody else, but my coach, your coach told me to take a look at you. And check you out. He said, "I like what I see, so I just want to come and meet you." And gave me a card and said, um, "Should come out, come out to Georgia Tech, uh, you know, and, and check it out." I said, "All right." So I went to Georgia Tech and checked it out. And they told me, you know, hey, looks like I have some skills. Uh, you know, we we can see if we can help you on and off the field while you while you're here at Georgia Tech. But the only caveat is uh, you got to get accepted to the school. Mm. You know, we can't give you a scholarship. I'm just like, okay. So this whole process of, you know, being a student and 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 writing an essay and getting accepted into schools, um, you know, we was a, we you we as athletes were exempt
0: from that process. Yeah, I don't Forever. know if I would have been able to do that. Oh man, like my nightmare. <laughs> I got to actually get accepted to school. Like no, man, just give me a scholarship. Let me come play football. <laughs> right. And so I had three days
1: to put something together. Uh, Man, I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) It's just like, write an essay. (laughs) What is that?
0: (laughs) I know. Put words on a page. Come on.
1: Right. Right. So I was able to conjure something up and um, submitted it. And I got accepted to Georgia Tech. I was like, what the? Uh, but I do
0: think the coaches had something to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> maybe a behind the table had some words with the admission
1: office. <laughs> you know, maybe, you know, but um, at least I'll, I'll, I'll take the pride ship and just say... Yeah, that, there had to be a uh, sense of pride in, in going
0: through that process and really getting... Right. Yeah.
1: All right, so um, got accepted to Georgia Tech, man. And so now I'm on campus and um, I'm a I'm a small fish and a big pun. So uh, um, from there you know, I didn't, I didn't have much. I did not have much, you know, I, I would see the, the, the scholarship players and they were, they had access to everything. i was just like, wow, well, what, why don't I have access to that? You know, like, uh, what about a meal plan? I didn't, a meal plan. Well, what does that mean? You know, so I was really, really green and, 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 and very sheltered. So I, I didn't really know the process because I didn't take any, any trips as well. I was one of those guys. I was going to wait and take my trips before, um, you know, before the, 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 before the season, I mean, after the season is over. Right.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: And so this was my first like introduction to campus, to school, to, to just to everything. Um, and, and I didn't have any guidance. So I had to figure things out on my own. So as I'm going through, you know, like my schedule and and school and and trying to manage how I'm gonna eat food, you know, I started realizing like, wow, you know, like I'm a walk-on, like <laughs> no one cares about me. And and uh, it was funny how how when I first met the coaches, they were like extremely
0: nice. But the day you get out there to practice, it's like, why are you yelling at me? <laughs> That's the fascinating thing about college, right? Like they recruit all these guys and they're the best friends and they get, sit at your house and they're like, we're going to treat them so good. And then as soon as football starts, they're just like, get your ass in <laughs> like, Oh, damn. What is it? It's so, it's so, so weird.
1: Like, like I thought we were friends. coaches <laughs> <laughs> Friends. F your friends. Like, like, <laughs> like, like, like.
0: Yo, You're mine so, now. You, <laughs> you ain't got a choice anymore. You signed right. the paper. <laughs> All right.
1: You want to go back crying home to your mama? That's what you want to do? Like, n- n- no, sir. No, sir. I don't, you know. Then get your ass on the line. I'm like, geez, You know, so, man, I had to grow up quick. I had man. to grow up really quick. Uh, and, you know, I, I asked for it. I wanted to be away from my parents because I wanted to grow up, but I didn't know what I was going to be thrusted into. So, um, so, you know, being a walk on, uh, while I'm there, my first day, you know, first semester, I had made a promise to myself that I was going to do good on and off the field and I was going to get a scholarship and I was going to be the starting running back at G tech. And so from there, um, you know, I was a fifth string running back. I started off as a fifth-string running back, you know, the walk on. And then the next year, there's a sixth string, right? Like, <laughs> it like, gets okay. better.
0: Okay.
1: I went from the fifth string to the seventh string running back. Wow, <laughs> that happened, you're right, man? How did that happen? They recruited two more running backs mm. um, the next year, and and man, it you know on paper it definitely did not look like I had a chance, uh, and so. Uh, you know, one of the things that I've always had was just, as I mentioned before, man, I I felt it when I was younger that I was going to play in the NFL. And so that feeling was so intense and so immense that it stayed with me. It was my inspiration. It was what I was going to aspire towards. And what which which allows for me to, you know, later on in this conversation to speak about what I do today, how I use my my in spirit, my internal spirit to inspire Others, Um, so uh, while I was there, man, you know, I had to go through a lot of adversity. Had these six other running backs in front of me, like even 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 the fullback, you know, uh, they transitioned him to to running back for a couple of carries than you. (laughs) 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 Exactly, man. So, man, I I I had to endure a lot. So, a season goes on. And uh I I I red my first, my freshman year. And then after that, uh <clears throat> um uh, I just, you know, I was I was around. I was around, I was a little tackling dummy, right? But the tackling dummy that always went hard, you know, and then the defensive players did not like that, right? So it's just like this, man, why you always going hard? Man, slow down. And so get into a couple of fights here and there. Um uh, uh, but it helped build my character and mm-hmm. when, I, when I was in practice, I only get one play you know I, I can they, they'll put me in like two or three plays at the end of practice. and then when I was on scout team, you know if I didn't do what was on a cue card, I got chewed out you know all all of it, man it was just like, man, what a why i here mm-hmm. and um uh, one spring, uh our coach that was actually. Yeah, I, well, the coach that was there, because uh, the, the the initial coach, we had George O'Leary. Um, George O'Leary, he was a really good coach. He transitioned to Notre Dame. Um, he got fired a couple of days later. Then he end, ended up going to UCF. And then from there, we had Changeli come in. And when Changeli came in, all of the coaches, you know, they left what with, with uh, O'Leary. So now I had to start all over from scratch. All right. And and there was one coach that was still left there and he was offensive coordinator coordinator at the time. And I, you know, I say his name, uh, Coach Bill O'Brien. All right. Bill O'Brien was there, man. I'm not sure if you ever know who Bill O'Brien is, but
0: uh, I know of him. I never met him, though.
1: Oh, OK. All right. So. (laughs) um, So Coach Coach O'Brien, he made it seem like he didn't even know anything that happened during that first meeting. He forgot everything. You know, he was telling uh, you know, all the coaches were asked, like, who, who is this kid, man? Who is this kid? He was like, Oh, that's PJ Daniels. He's just like, He's a piece of shit. You know, don't worry about him, man. He'll never play. Mm. You know, and um, and that's what he used to always tell all the other coaches. So when Chan Gailey came, you know, I I was going there and asking him for a scholarship. And this is what the other coaches promised me. And and I hope that you can hold hold your in in the bargain and he was just like man I'm a new coach here it's just like that. you gotta start from from uh, ground zero mm-hmm. so and and I was just like well O'Brien knows he was like man get that shit out of here O'Brien was like yeah whatever <laughs> like no. I don't give a shit about this guy pieces you know walk on Um, and and so man everything you know it's spring of 2002 uh, two thousand and two, two thousand and two, two thousand and three. Spring is two thousand two, two thousand and three. Uh, uh, O'Brien. I had a, we had that exit interview after the spring game, and he basically told me. You know, without making it so long, he basically told me that I suck and that I wouldn't amount to anything. And he left his his office door wide open. When you you're supposed to have a private meeting, he left it wide open and just told me you fucking suck, man. Get the fuck out of my office. Your chances of playing at Georgia Tech are one in a million. Your chances of playing in the NFL are one in a billion. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget that was a day where I was just like, man, I had to have a guardian angel right there with me because this was the first time I, I hated somebody in my life. I truly hated someone, and I had. I had so much anger and animosity inside of me that I wanted to strangle him right then and there at that moment in time.
0: Yeah, I'm sure.
1: <clears throat> and so afterwards, I walk out of his office. Um, and and after I walked out of his office, my, my teammates were lined up, you know, waiting for their exit interview. And I didn't want anybody to touch me. So I, I, I walk out and I, and I go to the bus stop. And I'm just like, what the hell is going on? Spring break. So now, you know, the bus is a double time. It's not every 15 minutes. It's every 30 minutes. The campus is desolate. You know, I'm just looking around like, what in the world is going on? So one of my coaches, he came by, drove by, he's like, Pete, keep your head up, man. He's like, you know, you you got what everybody else doesn't have. I was like, what's that? He's like, you got this. You got heart. You got heart. And I was just like, I was like, what? And he's like, like, Pete, keep your head up. He said, I, I heard that bullshit that that motherfucker said to you. He's like, don't believe that shit, man. He said, you got this. Mm. So um, at that moment in time, I remember looking up at the sky and I was like, "Why, God, what did I do wrong? You know, a tear came down my face. And at that moment, I made it up in my mind. that I was just like, after that, I was like, this is my dream. I'm not going to let nobody take my dream away from me. So I uh, strapped on my backpack and I took off running from one side of the campus to the other. Nonstop tears streaming down my face. Went upstairs. I took off my, my my backpack and put on my workout clothes and I worked out until I passed out. And that was the beginning of that journey at Georgia Tech. Um, and I and I passed out for for the next three months. I passed out four more times in my workout. Cause I just was so angry. I was so fueled by all his words and everything that he said, man. And I pushed myself and and um, so that that night after I worked out and I passed out. I remember walking up stairs, walking up the stairs to my dorm room, and I ate like two greasy, two greasy slices of pizza, and then I, 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 forget, I didn't, didn't have the energy to do my homework. I, I went to sleep. We had workouts in the morning. Put my workout clothes on and took off, run to the other side of campus, and I did this for the next three months, every single day. Every time we had workouts, I ran. I didn't take, a, I didn't accept a ride from none of my teammates. I was so fueled, you know? And so they'd be like, yo, P, uh, 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 stop the car. And, you know, like, come on, get in, man. Like, we got room. It's like, I'm good. I see all that workouts. And, you know, from that moment, they knew that I was focused. Mm. Like, I, I, somebody just told me that I suck. Somebody told me, you know, I don't give a shit if I'm a number seven on the, on the depth chart. Like, how you going to tell me that? Like, wh- why would you tell me that? You don't even know me. You don't, you can't even measure my heart. Uh, and my tenacity and my persistence. And so man I, my my workout I would work out with the team. And then they would go out at night and they would be seeing me on in the sandpit still working. I'm just like like no. They and they were like, "Man, like you possess, huh?" I was like, "As hell." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cuz it was it was something inside of me it was just like you know, let everybody go out and go and party and have a good time. You know, I'm having a good time right now. So, um, fast forward, all that led to me, uh, having the NCAA record for the most rushing yards in the bowl game to, um, being the, the, the fourth or fifth, I believe the leading rusher at Georgia Tech in Georgia Tech history, you know, um, and you know, from seven, from seven on the depth chart to the number one. So, uh, you know that was my 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 collegiate career then it went on you know i got drafted to the baltimore ravens shortly after that so <laughs> let's uh, talk a little bit about
0: the the journey from you know I'm, you know it's really beautiful and i'm really appreciate you sharing that and i love when you said you know you got heart because that that resonated really hard with me and it's you know the heart collective a lot of people ask me like why you call it the heart collective and there's different layers to it right like obviously we're trying to drop into the heart get out of the mind let our heart lead us and find purpose but part of it was when I thought about my playing career and what it takes to make it in, in football and make it to the highest level, it, it takes heart. And, and when I was in, in the NFL, and I remember looking at every single person in the locker room and knowing that each, every single one of them had a story, you know, there's so many guys that say, yeah, I, I could have made it to the NFL, but, or I could have become a starter, but, and they're like, there's this excuse, right? And so you had every excuse in that moment, be like, oh, this coach fucking yelled at me and he told me this. And that's the reason why, but instead you turned it into fuel and you, you, you made, you know, lemonade out of lemons, man. And you showed up (laughs) and it's, and it's really beautiful. And um, I want to kind of dive into like that. Like how long did it take for you to go from that moment? Was it, did, were you the starter of the next year because you proved it during that three months and you showed up with such tenacity that they did it. And how much do you put towards that event? Like what if that event didn't happen where he didn't you know, tell you, you were so shitty and you weren't amount to anything. Like, it's almost like we look back on our lives and those lessons and without them, we wouldn't be who we are because it wouldn't have challenged us in a way to step up in that way. And so it's really beautiful that you took that and you, you, you alchemized it within your body, within your mind, within your spirit, and really went out there and proved him wrong. And it's almost like those things need to happen for us to escalate our game. Right.
1: Right. Right. So we have to be mindful of what we ask for from the universe. Mm. When you ask for something, you have to be okay with the sunshine and the rain and the thunderstorms that come with it. All right. Uh and I'm not saying that I would not have pushed myself uh to to be the starter starting running back at Georgia Tech. Uh it was just uh that moment, uh, at that moment I had a choice either to succumb to what he was saying, or remember my dream, you know, my vision that I had. And if your vision is not as strong as uh, what someone may project, or 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 their opinion about you, if your if your vision is not as strong as that, if it's not greater than that, then you're definitely going to succumb to, but um, what, what they dub you as, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're 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 not this, or you're or you're this, or you're that. Um, it's the great ones that defy the, the the odds. It's the ones that believe in themselves so much that, you know, if someone tells you you're not able to do this, then you're like, OK, mm-hmm. well, maybe you're not able to do it. But I know I can. Like, I-, I completely believe that in my heart that I can. And so since I know that I can and I feel that I I, I have that feeling, I'm going to do it. And you're going to sit there. And you're going to look at me with amazement because you realize that you couldn't do it. So. Yes, I, I will say uh, um, it happened. So, I, yes, I needed it. Uh, but if it did not happen, I still would have worked um, hard. Will I have worked that hard? Not sure. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Yeah, but maybe another another opportunity for that <clears throat> lesson to challenge you in that way would have shown up. Just as exactly. much. Right.
1: Exactly. And because and the perfect thing that you said was lessons, man, these are all lessons, right? Um, um, it, it becomes a a burden when we take it personally, you know, and and so
0: I took it personally, but I didn't it, it wasn't that that's not where I stopped. Yeah, you didn't take it as a as an end point. You took it as the beginning point and used <laughs> it as fuel. And you look out in the world, right? And every single person that's found success in their life has some story of adversity, some challenge, something that they've had to grow through to get to where they're at. And it is uh-huh. the journey that shapes them. And yes. it's, you know, success isn't necessarily the destination; it's the journey on how you get there, right? And how you overcome right. this stuff. Right. So let's talk about you. You become this incredible running back at Georgia Tech. You break yeah. all these records. You're you're finally like, dream is right there. You, you see it right in front of you. You know you're like, I got an opportunity to play in the NFL. You end All up getting drafted. I would love to kind of dive into that process. Uh, were you what, what, what round were you drafted in, and what was that journey like? Um, drafted in the fourth round, 132nd pick
1: in 2006 uh, um, NFL to the Baltimore Ravens. And, man, that, that one was uh, – I felt like I should have went, went like the first day. I right. yeah, always like want to go oh, higher. Huh? <laughs> right. Who doesn't? Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and uh, it was like, you know, from walk on to uh to getting drafted. All right. So they were just that that was a story. Like, like, he started off as a walk-on to NCAA record holder, now to getting drafted by the Baltimore Ravens. I was just like, that's a good, I was like, I got a good story. I should. I should. Come true. We did it. All <laughs> right. We did it. We did it. Right. And so uh, from there, really ecstatic. You know, when they called me on draft day, uh, they were just like, hey, did anyone call you? I was just like, no. They was like, well, we're going to call you back. I was just like, what the hell is going on? You know, because I, I after the first day, I, after I didn't get drafted the first day, I stopped watching TV. I was like, I can't do this anymore. You know, <laughs> too much anxiety. And so um, they called me, and they were the next pickup. So then they hung up, and then they called me right back. And when they called me back, they were just like, "Hey, we're gonna go with you for our next pick." Um, and so I'm just like, "What? Get out of here!" You know, I'm, I'm in the shower, and um, all of a sudden, I see my my a video clip of me. You know, um, come across a screen, just like, whoa, this is real, you know. And so um, if I if we would have had phones that day, I would definitely record it.
0: Yeah, it's different back <laughs> in two thousand six.
1: Right. So um, so man, it, it was it was an incredible moment. You know, they called and they said, Welcome to the Ravens. And I was just like, Well, what's next? And you know, like what do I do next? Like, how does this process work? Right. And so still not really understanding. Like what? What I need to do next? I just I always needed a, a, a mentor, some type of mentor, some type of guide, but um, I never, I never had it. So I had to figure out things to my own. So get drafted to the Ravens, man, in my um, my my first year, you know, two rookie, uh, I had rookie games, uh, um, no preseason games uh, as a rookie, and I remember one game, I fumbled twice in one game.
0: Oh, that's no good.
1: <laughs> oh, that is no good,
0: man. <laughs> no good for running back to fumble twice, but... <laughs> Not
1: at all. See, what I did not know is that you can, your equipment, you can use your equipment from college take it to the league, but I did mm. not know that, man. Oh, you had
0: fresh, fresh gear. It was I had fresh off.
1: gear. It was, my shoulder pads kept coming up. <laughs> mm. And so, man, um, that's what led to my my, uh, my, 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 me fumbling, you know, during the game. And, and, um, uh, it was one of my one of my best friends. He he made me fumble from Georgia Tech. He played linebacker. Uh, his name is Jared Wilkinson.
0: And I bet I was, he had a few words about that. Yeah. Huh? Oh man, <laughs> yeah.
1: You know how it is, man. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I remember the second time. The first time I fumbled, I recovered it. The second time we lost it. And so um, I'm trying to I'm trying to duck off and 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 run all the way to the far end of our bench. And as I'm running, you know, as as I'm jogging down. Down um, the sideline, you know, like at an angle, right? <laughs> so it's like shit. And so as I'm doing that, Coach Brian Billick, you know, he's he's briskly walking, briskly walking. Like <clears throat> it's like, Peter, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? He's like he's like, you're fucking up my money, you're fucking up your money. I was just like, oh man, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so it, it <laughs> was it in you was a little rough. bit. Uh- oh man, he got into me. He leaned into me. You know, and so that night, man, I, I went home and cried. I was just like, golly, I was like, I never fumbled. Like, what's going on? So I made some adjustments, man. I think I ended up watching a whole lot of film. I started watching film on Tiki Barber, you know, high and tight, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and and I think it was Tiki or Runday, one, one of the two, but I got my act together. And from there, uh, my rookie year, man, Uh they, they didn't play me my rookie year, you know, but... That was, that was my, my, my transition year where my mindset became so, so it was filled with so much confidence. I was, I was, I had this supreme confidence about myself because I felt like I had nothing to lose. And so I started going extremely hard. I started realizing, you know, like, um, like I'm going against the number one defense in the NFL. I was like, so if I can go against the number one defense in the NFL and I can dominate against them, then when we go against the number two, number three, number, and everybody else, I said, I am going to, you know, look like I've, like, I've been doing this. Right. And, and so you know, I, I really started dialing in on you know, my, my mind, my body and my spirit. Like my, my mindset was, okay. In two years, everyone figures out how, uh, you know, a running back style. Right, how they run, what they do. So every two years, I'm going to switch up my running back style. I'm going to adopt a new one, and also I need to learn this offense. I need to learn this defense. I need to learn what everybody else is doing. And so I started becoming a student of the game. And then after a while, the game started to come to me like seamlessly, uh, effortlessly. And uh, I started. I, I increased my speed from a four-five to a four-four-two in six weeks. Um, just working on some hip exercises um, and then just really believing that I could run faster. Uh, and it started happening. Everyone was just like, yo, man, what you taking? <laughs> just like nothing, bro.
0: Let me get some of that, man. I need- <laughs> yeah, let me get some of that,
1: man. But it was just, no, I, I I felt that I could run fast. I wanted to run fast, I had the desire to run fast. And the only thing that I needed to do was, you know, my mind was telling my body to run faster, but... The mechanics were not there, and once I start working on the mechanics, that's when it all came together. Mm. And then from there, um, I went from being a running back to a utility player to, you know, wide receiver to um, running some routes from the from the uh, the F position, right, the fullback position. And uh, so from there, they started sending more people home because I was able to play multiple multiple roles, and 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 or multiple positions. Yeah. And so from there, uh, um, the next year comes, I get a bigger, uh, uh, a, a, um, a bigger role and I get injured before the season begins. I'm just like, what the dang? So, um, and it was just a hamstring injury mm. where, where I wouldn't be ready until after, after the first week. Of the, of the season. So, during that time, you know, if you get put on um, uh, uh, injury reserve, you're not able to come back like like how they do now.
0: Yeah, you're done for the whole year.
1: You're done for the whole year, man. So, that just kind of screwed me over.
0: So, you went on um, IR after that hamstring and you were just basically off the roster for the whole year?
1: <laughs> off the roster for the whole year. Mm. My second year. Yeah. So, because my my, my rookie year, uh, I, you know, I was inactive I mean I was active but inactive mm-hmm. right um so um so then the next year get injured they put me on IR um so you know like by week 2 I'm I'm fully healed I'm fully healed and I'm just sitting around like dang hey, yeah, man like I want to play How'd, the you handle that?
0: How'd you handle that emotionally and, and mentally when you, you know, you obviously, because, you know, in, in those moments, it's like if you're not a huge part of the team, like a starter or something, like you're, you're trying to find your place on the team and your role. And, you know, they basically use the IR to make roster moves where they can still keep you on the roster for the following year because they know that if they did something else, you might go to a different team and actually play.
1: Right, right. So th- they, they got me, right, because I didn't call my agent and tell him what was going on. I just, you know, they came down and just like, Hey, here's the deal. So, you know, this is what what we're going to do. And so, as as I mentioned, I was young and naive, just not knowing. And they got me to, to, to sign on the dotted line and say, yes, I'll I'll go ahead and take this offer. Right. Like you, you don't want to play for another team. Do you? I was like, no, 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 no.
0: (laughs) Man, they just play us so hard and all these different things, man. Sign on the dotted line, sign your life away. Don't look at the small print. And, by the way, you're not gonna be able to play all year even though you're not hurt. <laughs> but we're gonna pay you still. Yeah, still gonna- well that's good. At least you got the money still.
1: Yeah, at least you still got the money, but still man, it's nothing like- But you like wanna play, game, right? right? You wanna
0: play the game that you yeah. love, that you you know, wanna uh-huh. show up. And you, I mean, you haven't even been able to really prove yourself yet right? in the way that you've been training and you've obviously had all these improvements going into that season and you're just ready to really blow up. And so, yeah. so what happens yeah. next? So you go on IR that whole year. Yeah, so the way that I handle it, um,
1: uh, man, uh, I just had so much free time, so much free time, so much money, you know. And uh, uh, I go in, do my training, and then after that, that was that was pretty much it, you know. And just go home and play video games. Probably should dibble and dabble in some marijuana, smoke some weed here and there. Uh, but man, and that was like how I I I just cope with it. Right, um, and then every once in a while, I'll come in, and you know, you know, the players will heckle you if you, if you, if you, if you're not contributing, they be like, man, you just got your ski mask on, you're robbing it, you robbing <laughs> the <that> organization, <laughs> right? You're robbing it, the bank. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you just show up for your paycheck, and then you leave for the free meals. I mean, and the, and the free meals, then you leave, right? Nope. So it was a lot of um, um I had to I had to adapt to you know the change, and so just prepare myself for the next, next year. And the next year came in and back at it again, dominating. And, um, so my second, yo, oh, oh, so my second year, that is when I went to the monastery for the first time. Oh, what was the, what was the draw to go there? Why did you <laughs> decide to do that? The draw to go there was to like, when I come back from, from, uh, when I come back, um, from, oh, when I get off for IR, they, have, they, they, they cannot refuse, you know, like giving me up or doing anything because not only am I going to be incredible physically, I said, but mentally and spiritually, I'm on a whole nother level. So the draw to go to the monastery was to basically like Zen out and be like Bruce Lee, like Walter or, you know, just just tap into my inner greatness.
0: Why, why a monastery? Have you been exposed to kind of that Eastern philosophy and, and and that kind of stuff? How did you get introduced to that? Was it always a part of your upbringing or?
1: Yeah, well, watching a lot of karate movies, man, when I was young. Oh, so it's
0: more of like the martial arts, controlling the mind. And, and you obviously <laughs> yeah. wanted to, to improve your performance and your ability to perform in football.
1: Yes, most definitely, man. You know, growing up, watching all these cartoons and after a while, cartoons stopped becoming cartoons to me and they started becoming like real life because I would hear a message in them. It's like, what the fuck? Like, why did I feel like this? Like, man, my whole body is tingling after he just said this or after he was just like, I just need to meditate to, you know, to concentrate my energy. And and so, I, you know, I was trying to figure out how much truth there was to this.
0: Mm. Became uh, a seeker.
1: Yeah, I was looking to be become a seeker and, and become a student of that and and so this is my first year so i went to the monastery right and as i get there i'm like oh shit i'm about to receive the energy yeah <laughs> and it was not like that at all <laughs> I,
0: I go sit over there in silence for six hours <laughs>
1: Like, yes, feel like kind of energy you
0: feel
1: <laughs> right. It's just like here's a book. <laughs> I'm like, what the okay. I was like, oh, okay, all right. Well, give me the book. I read the book so quickly, and it was like one of these smallest books that I ever put in my <laughs> hand. One of these smallest books that I ever put in my hand. And I read through that book so quick and I gave it, I gave it back. They gave it right back to me. Say like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, I did that three times and they gave it right back to me. And I was just like, what's going on, man? Like, y'all are tripping. Like, like, you know, do you know who I am? <laughs> and they was mm-hmm. like, brother, we don't care who you are. <laughs>
0: yeah, the story of who you think you are.
1: <laughs> you think you are. Oh, my goodness. And so um, uh, it took some time. Like, after my first visit, you know, first I was just like, what the fuck is this? Like, I'm being brainwashed. Right. Mm. To, to like, you know, I was, I was, I was, I was so ready to take off running on the second day of being at the monastery. My first time being there, I was because my energy was so concentrated, and to have access to no phone, to anything, to outside world. I'm in the mountains, and I'm like, what is this? Like, ah, like my cells inside stillness, of my stillness, right? You don't
0: even know what stillness is. Oh, it freaks man. you out. <laughs>
1: freaks me out man so mm-hmm. um, by the third day I think I stayed there when my first time was a week by the third day uh, like um, I had lost a little bit of uh, uh, muscle um, and because we were eating nothing but like vegan food everything was plant-based vegan and so for me I was just like what the fuck is going on All right right and then um, I get this super this super duper charge on the third day. Where, and and this calmness came about myself, and I was just like, "Oh, okay, I think I could probably do this again." You know. So once I left, I felt that peace, and um, I remember going into my third season. Uh, I went back to the monastery before the season, and I was just like, "Oh, y'all are in for it. I'm about to kick y'all ass." <laughs> <laughs> and and sure enough, I was on a whole nother level. I definitely was. But I ended up injuring myself. I ended up tearing my labrum uh, right before the season started during camp. Uh, I was I was trying to do too much. So, like, I didn't really have the balance. I thought I had the balance, but I didn't really have the balance, right? Because it was, there was still my, my old self, you know, looking to prove everything. And my new self is like, well, all right, we, we, you have all the skills. Um, so, um, that's, that's not a factor or problem, but the problem was the, the, trying to prove myself and not really understanding who I was and my identity, you know, amongst the, the, the team and the organization. So, and trying to do too much, like I came to camp tip top shape, didn't take no water breaks because I was fully hydrated. I was just ready to go. I was you know, and, um, and, uh, I ended up injuring myself, man. I ran a play, took off running. I broke and I turned back to talk some smack and I, I tripped over my own foot and tried to put my hand down to catch my fall. And I just and grinded out my, my shoulder. Sounds like a
0: non-contact injury too. Non-contact
1: <laughs> injury. And so from that, you know, uh, it happened so fast, uh, I passed out. And I was, you know, motionless on the ground. And the only reason I know it because I saw it on film, you know. But I don't remember anything. I just passed out. And then I, all I remember was like I got up. It's like what? I was like, get the fuck off of me! Get off of me! You know, I'm pushing everybody off of me, like just angry. And so I like I'm like, oh, what's going on with my shoulder? I was like, all right, let's get back in the huddle. I was just like, come on, come on, come on, come on. I was like, we 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 are we are the starters this year. We are going to, you know, like like you that guy this year man, go to the sideline and the training's just like, you know, lift both your arms up. And one of them couldn't go past my belly button. I was like, what's going on? So that that was my, my, uh, my second year being placed on IR. Because they, you know, they told me I had a choice. Either I played through it or get the surgery. And all I was thinking about was like, nah, this pain is too intense. Like, this doesn't make any sense. And I, I, all I was thinking about, like, after the game, you know, just having one arm just swinging, right? And so I was just like, I'm going to go and get the surgery. Yeah, get it done. So, get it done. And so um, put me on IR another year. And by that time, man, I became a recluse. Um, I left the facility and rehabbed in Atlanta, Georgia, where I got my surgery done. And from there, um, I rented a, a one-bedroom apartment, no furniture, um, just a little air bed. And me and my dog, and um from that i would um I would go and run in the woods that's that's when I just got back to nature and I just got back to you know the basics. I just started running in the woods, you know was using trees as defenders, shaking them, doing all of this stuff, just getting back to you know, what I know uh, and And then from there, uh next year it happened, they didn't tenure me. So now I'm just lost. Like, what the? F- like, what? So, like, I just got fired from my job. Like, huh? Like, huh? Well, what's next? And so since I didn't know what was next, I didn't continue to keep working out. You know, I'm, I'm talking to my agent, but he's just like, you know, instead of him saying it's going to be all right, he was just like, oh, man, what happened? You know, he's just asking me, like, what happened? Like, why is this, all this is happening? And not not really giving me the uh, the 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 the, the, guidance the guidance and encouragement right <laughs> the guidance right. and encouragement exactly man, so just like okay, so I was like, well, what's next and he's just like, well, let me see I'm call some of my buddies to see if I can get you a deal or something so next thing I get a get a workout with the uh Buffalo bills and uh man, I missed my flight the first night, you know, so I showed up the next day and then when I showed up, I worked out and um the uh the yeah, I guess I don't know if it's the elevation, but I couldn't breathe and I didn't have the best workout. I didn't look like uh, I didn't look like I can I, I had any type of uh, speed, you know, so it was it was it was pretty difficult. And then on top of that, it was me and another player um, working out. And so and, instead of me like walking back, I jogged, <laughs> jogged back, <laughs> you know, so just tiring up myself. Didn't know, like, just take your time, right? I was just trying to, uh, again, I was in this in this proving mode, right? And so uh, they didn't take me, and that was my last chance. And so after that, that's when I really started working out really hard, because I was like, I know I'm going to get another chance, but another chance never came. Mm-hmm. And then from there, man, um, that's when, you know, I had the self-identity crisis after working out for one whole year and never receiving any phone call. And so that's what was that journey s- like
0: having to finally come to terms with the fact that it, it it's over, the dream is over, and you in your opportunity to to be this star running back like Barry Sanders, like you saw so long ago. And it was you kind of had to give it up, right? And you had to confront that. What was what was that journey like? And it was it was
1: really fucked up. Mm-hmm. You know, uh To, you know, to be just as candid as possible and to be as real as possible. It was, it was, it was fucked up, you know, because, uh, again, I, I, I was presented with embarrassment, right? Like, what the, how did this happen? Like, how did I lose my first job? Like, who am I? Like, I, I I thought I was this. I thought I was that. I thought I was the person that, you know, that, that was supposed to emulate Barry Sanders. I, I, I just increased my 40 speed, you know, like I've, I've received all the respect from the players. Ray Lewis knows me by first name. Ed Reed knows me by first name. Bart Scott, you know, Heloti Nanta, uh, Kelly Gregg, you know, Trevor Price, uh, uh, man, Steve McNair, uh, Jamal Lewis, uh, Mark Clayton, you know, Derek Mason. They all know me by first name, you know, and now nobody knows me by my name. I'm like, who the fuck am I? All right. So, um, became lost. Now I'm trying to search for my identity. And from there, man, uh, uh, that's when I had this identity crisis. It's like, what the hell? So had all these negative, negative, um, negative sayings playing in my head over and over again. Like you lost a your job, your embarrassment to yourself, your embarrassment to your family. Like, how would you do that? So from there that, um, that poured over into my personal life. Uh, um, my, my girlfriend at the time, uh, we broke up. Um, I ended up losing one of my condos because of the housing market. Uh, you know, it crashed around that time. So then I lost one of my vehicles and I'm just like, what the, everything is just leaving, right? Like I got, I've worked for all of this and then it's gone. It's like, just like that. And it took this long to work to get, get it. Mm-hmm. And, and aquarius and now it's going just like that like what the f- you know so i really started you know seeing myself like man like now, no 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 i'm losing myself so uh <clears throat> shortly after that man that's when that's when the suicide suicide thoughts started becoming more uh more more present and you know from it went from the thoughts to like okay now the actions need to follow these thoughts, and so I put a three-day plan together to uh, blow my head off. And um, um, you know, first, the first two days was just preparation of me, like prepping myself, like, all right, we're gonna do this, and this is gonna be the some, you know, like this is gonna be the coolest thing. So don't even worry about it. It's gonna be cool. It's gonna be fun. We're gonna have fun with this shit. Wow. Commit to it, you know. And 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 all you gotta do is just pull the trigger. So we're gonna go ahead and practice this for these first two days. And that's what I did, man. And I thought I would practice it. I would get up and I would go in the living room and spend time with my family as if nothing happened. Like, how y'all doing? You know, just acting like myself or acting like my normal self, what they're familiar with. And then, but I would go back in my closet. And the first day, I didn't have any bullets on the floor. I just had the gun and I was just... You know, cock back my uh, my shotgun, my Mossberg shotgun, and and pull the trigger, and I'm just like, boom, just like, mm, that's how it's gonna feel. Yeah, we're gonna get this. We're gonna we're gonna do this. And that was day one. Day two, you know, I did the same thing, man. But this time, I pull out my bullets. You know, I'm because I'm I'm constantly trying to build the courage to do it. And and you know, in the same way that we commit to being a great athlete, this was no different. I was committing to this. I was committing to this. I started putting my energy and my faith into it. Like, I can do this. And I'm going to blow my head off. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. And, you know, same same thing, second day, man. And so on the third day, I loaded up my gun. Just like, All right. So I, 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 and I laid everything down. I put a blanket over it in my closet and I walk out. I go to the living room, and when I go to the living room, uh, uh, actually, I go to the kitchen area, the little dining area, and I'm sitting down, and as I'm sitting down, I'm just like, you know, I called a couple people, so I ended up calling seven people. It wasn't planned. It wasn't like, hey, let me call set these seven seven individuals. Uh, so call called my mother, called my father. I called one of my professors from uh, from college, called uh one of my old teammates as well and I think I called one of my uncles and I called um and then the last person um was a the head monk at the monastery and so the first six people they didn't tell me anything that I wanted to hear you know uh and I was just like I'm I'm here by myself.
0: Mm, you were hoping I, for some kind of lifeline during those calls and just didn't get it.
1: Man the crazy thing is so um I called my boy, hello, Tinata. And he was like, what's up, bro? How you doing? I was like, man, what's up? What's good? And see, this is the first moment when I realized that I was really, really messed up. Because, and this was the first moment where I realized, like, something was really going on inside of me. And I called him, and it was like a a jolt of happiness. And we, we talked all of like seven, eight minutes. And and at the end of the conversation, he was like, man, bro, I miss you, man. I love you, man. You good? I was like, yeah, man, I'm good. And he was just like, all right, well, I got to go. And I got to get back to practice. And I'm just like, damn. Like, that's where I want to be. All right. so when he hangs up, I, 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 I was happy. And then I went back down to this dark space. This dark place, and I'm like shit, like you know, and so like everything started eating, eating away uh, at me, like just tearing me up on in the inside. So I, I, I didn't tell anybody what was going on. You know, I called my professor. He was just like, oh, "Don't worry about it. You're gonna be good." He said, "Man, at the age, he's how old are you?" I was like, "27." He's just like, "Man, don't even worry about it. At the age of 33, I filed for bankruptcy." I'm like, "What the fuck are you telling me this for?" <laughs> <laughs> Does it gets worse, right? Right? Does make it worse, <laughs> right? So, yeah. um, after I called those six people, I called the seven person uh, at the monastery, uh, the the head monk at the monastery, and I just went in just start lamenting about everything that I was going through. And at the end of it, I was just like, you know, I lost my house. I lost this. I lost that. I lost my, my career. I lost that. I lost this. I lost my woman. I'm like, you know, I am just like, shit, I am about to kill myself. And I said it, it with so much confidence. You know, like it, it was like, I just, I just relieved myself of a burden. Cause I had to tell somebody mm. I was holding it all in and I was just like, I'm about to kill myself. And when I said it, I said it with like, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm about to do. And there was a long pause in between me saying that and him responding. He was like, are you done? And for the first time, Joe, I felt myself exhale. Like, like shit. Like, yeah. And he went through his whole scene. Like, you get what you are. You get what you pay for. What you are is this plane of consciousness that you're traveling on, that you get according to your experiential needs. The pay is the effort that you put into utilizing the information and knowledge you've received for your consciousness. Uh, Your consciousness evolution. And then he was like, meditate and hung the phone up. (laughs) I was like, what the fuck? Oh, so he didn't tell me what I wanted to hear. Mm. But he disrupted my mindset of wanting to kill myself. Right. So now I I think he hangs up with me and leaves me with this thought about meditating. I'm saying to myself, "How the fuck is this meditation shit going to help me? I just told this motherfucker that I'm about to kill myself, and he gonna tell me to meditate, and that's it. That's it. What the fuck? man? So like, um, I get up. I'm like, mm, all right, here we go. We about to go do this, you know, because it was that that proving, you know. Now, I'm I'm like I'm in this." this mode of I need to prove it to y'all because y'all don't believe me. You don't believe that I just said it, I'm going to kill myself. You don't believe me. So I walk into my room and as I'm walking into my room, to the right, yeah, I have to walk through my bathroom to my closet area, which is in the back. And then to the left is my meditation area, space. Right? Just sitting there, my meditation pillow and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it and as I'm looking at it and I'm walking, like everything in my body is like my, own, my armpits are sweating and I'm walking and I'm looking at it. And as I'm looking at it, there's this sunlight beam, this this ray of sunshine just beaming on the damn meditation pillow. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> F you, you know, like, my- fuck you. <laughs> like y'all, you're in my head. Whoever you are, God, whoever, you're in my head. Get off my head, right? Yeah. And-, and- wow. And I'm saying to myself, like, man, what? Just like, you know, so like now I'm fighting with the demons inside of me. So I'm I'm like, look, if this meditation shit doesn't work, I'm going to sit down for one hour. I'm going to commit to this one hour. If this shit doesn't work, I'm killing myself. And so I I, I look at it and I'm just like, shit, son of a. You know, so now I set my timer. I set my timer for one hour. And man, I learned so much about myself within this one hour, within this one particular meditation. And the reason why is because I didn't like myself. And so I had to sit with myself. And that was the 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 the, the toughest thing that, that you could ever do. Think about somebody that you don't like and having to sit with them for one hour, right? And there's nothing that you could do to them except just sit there, you just know, take and you just take it all in, <laughs> you know, all, all of the anger, all of the uh, every, uh, all of the animosity that you have towards that individual. You just gotta sit there and take it, right? And 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 let it unravel itself. So, man, so I sat down and 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 within 35 minutes, uh, uh, my 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 hips start hurting. Cause I'm I'm sitting in, in the lotus position, like I have these big ass legs from being in the NFL, right? And so <laughs> I'm trying to sit down on this meditation pillow, you know, thinking that I'm that I'm 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 a monk, um, and you know, like I can I can do this. Uh, uh, it takes years to to get to this point, man. So. I'm sitting down, legs crossed. 35 minutes, pain comes in, excruciating pain. I'm just like, what the hell is going on? So now I'm sweating. I'm not able to sit up straight. My my posture is leaning to the left, to the right. You know, and it, it's so much stuff that was going on. And what my posture, the the importance or the symbiotic uh, uh, connection or correlation between my posture and what was going on in my life was that I wasn't able to. To to support myself, right? So, um, you know, it was always a constant. Like, sit up straight, like, uh, sit up straight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. So finally, <sighs> the last few minutes of my meditation, it's like three minutes left on the on on the on the uh, the timer. And I'll never forget it because I was sweating. And I was just like, how much time do I have? I need to get out of this shit. I need to get up. I need to get up. Because it was a part of me that was just saying, just get up and just fuck this pain. Just get up. And I said, no. I said I was going to commit to one hour. Man, and so that three minutes came. Those last three minutes, I remember opening my eyes and looking at the clock. And it was like sweat going into my eyes. And, And I remember saying to myself, fuck. Just let it go. And when I did that, I took a deep inhale and a a long, elongated exhale. And from there, like my whole body just, my knees that were like up in the air, they hit the ground. The outside of my knees hit the ground. And then I, my energy, and my body just shot up into the space, like swoop. And it was, it was like I was in a soundproof room. I could hear everything. But I couldn't hear anything at the same time. And instead of you, instead of your thoughts, you know, like your your, your thoughts are formulating. And then you, you you say something or you speak, like I could see, I could, I could, I was at the beginning of where my thoughts, you know, will formulate themselves. And in a space, I asked myself three, my higher self asked myself three questions. The same question. It was like, what are you doing? And the first two responses were, I'm about to kill myself. And it was it was in a way like, yeah, this is what I'm about to do. Yeah, this is this is the crazy, this is the good shit. And then the third time, it was like, What are you what are you doing? And I'm just like I'm about to kill myself. Ding. 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 I get sucked out of that space real quick. I was like, what the fuck was that? You know, and so tears start streaming down my face. And um, I was like, what was that? What, What was that? You know, so like I'm crying, I'm having this emotional breakdown, I'm crying. I'm like, what was that? Like, the fuck? What was that? What was that? I was like, whatever that is, I'm going to chase that for the rest of my life. I want to be connected with that for the rest of my life. And I never, ever thought about killing myself. I remember, you know, taking the bullets out of my gun and just putting it up and just be like, you know, and then apologizing to myself, like, I'm sorry. You know, and like, man, like, that was that was one of the toughest moments. So meditation saved my life. So from there, you know, I had to go and spend time at the monastery um, just cause I wanted to see what, how much further can you go with this? Like, mm. why hasn't anyone told us about this? Like this just saved my life. Mm. And now I need to know more about this. I need to know so much more that I need to go and live at this monastery and, and, and learn more about it because they had all of the books, not just on meditation, but like books that were written in like the eighteen hundreds, the seventeen hundreds. All those
0: mystical teachings. All, all mystical those mystical te- teachings. Yeah.
1: Exactly, like the you know the like the secret teachings of of the world and
0: secret the secrets. I need to know the, the secrets,
1: right? And so, you know, from being there, I would sit sitting in the library. And I would be reading these books, and I I just start crying, because it's just like, how am I here? Like I'm, I'm, I'm here at this monastery reading these books, and these books have so much power to them. Like, you know, uh, you're reading a book, and the the truth is just coming off of the pages and into you, in, into you know, into your spirit. It's just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, you know, I'm looking around as if like something's gonna stop me. Right. And I didn't think I can go further and further down this rabbit hole. And so uh, you know, from 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 that to like the the, the consistent meditations where we meditate three times a day, you know, I just started diving in deeper and reading more books and then realizing what I could do. And I started seeing, not just it wasn't like, oh, that was awesome. I read about it in this book. It was just like I read about it in this book, and they said that you can do this. And then, uh, right to my meditation, I you know I'd be like, or or doing my meditation, I'd be like, I just saw the shit that they were talking about. Like, goddamn, calm down, calm down. It's all down. real. It's all real, you know. <laughs> and it it uh, man. And then from there, when it 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 went from being all real because I you know like I saw it in my meditation too. Like, I saw it when I went, the minute when I saw it in action. That's when I was like. Okay, and then that's when the tears are just, it wasn't even tears, it, it, it was like, the tears just came out just just to come out because it was a, a, a realization and enlightenment. Like, how, how, like, it, it's like, how are you not able to see this? And see, what I realized was that I was exposed to that. Someone had taught me that Um, one day at the monastery, I make the short, but one day at the monastery, I was doing work. I was doing work at the monastery, and I think uh, we was chopping wood at the time. And 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 the the, the head monk he just came and sat down, and he was doing some work as well. I think he was like making some necklaces too with some copper, uh, wrapping it around like um, some crystals, right? And then he just stopped just like, brother, you know everything around us is alive like that. <laughs> it's just like you just have to train yourself to see it, and you know when he did that, that was like six, seven years prior you know to like my realization uh um. And when he did that, I was just like, oh, okay. Okay. Everything's allowed." Okay. Well, awesome. Thank you for that knowledge. I know it's profound. That's amazing. <laughs> but when I saw it for the first time, like it just hit, like it paralyzed me. And it happened for me, like reading a book and when I received my spiritual name, and it was like for me i was i it was like i was looking into another another dimension another realm mm-hmm. and i started seeing that your words are so powerful like you create the limiting effect you create you know the limit the limits in your life right and I started to see how all of these, they're like little yokes of possibilities surrounding us. And so whenever you speak, whenever, you, whenever the words come out of your mouth, the frequency, the vibration, it affects all of these yokes of possibilities, right? And I was reading a book, and, and, and the book in the book, it said, nothing is impossible unless the believer believes it is. And so I was just like, "Huh, what?" And I read it again, because it, it, it seemed like it was just speaking to me. And so I had to go and do something. Uh, while I, when I was sitting down reading the book, I was I was told just go ahead and go read the book while the brothers and sisters do work at the monastery. I can just go ahead and sit and read because I've already been doing so much work and. I could hear on the other end that everyone was inside, I mean, in in the other rooms and it's not possible. We're not able to do this. We're not able to do that. Joe, I'm reading a book and I close the book and I get up. It was like I had a calling. I just get up. I get up. I walk into the other room and everybody is just saying what's what's possible and what's not possible. Right. And they're just saying, well, I tried it at least three or four times and we're not able to do it. And I, I walk in the room and I look at the pieces that needed to connect to this other piece. I'm just like, oh, no, it works. Like, you don't see it? I was like, they was just like, no, we tried it already several times. It doesn't work. I picked it up, put it together. And I walked out. And when I went back into the room, I sat back down and I started crying again. Like, this tears start streaming down my face. I was like, what's going on? I was like, I don't understand what's going on, but I'm gonna keep reading this book. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, it's giving me power. <laughs> it's the book. It's the <laughs> it's definitely book. Right? the book. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I I started realizing like, dang, there's so much more to this life that we're in that we're living, you know. And from there, uh, um, after that weekend, one of my because I I go to the monastery with two of my uncles, so which makes it like a just like an, an immaculate thing because, uh, um, uh, uh, we come in three, uh, from the same family. All right. And, and which is a, a very powerful thing. So one of my uncles, my old, my, one of my oldest uncles, he was just like, Hey, He's like, he said, you know, you taught me something. Um, just visit. He said, and what you taught me is that, uh, that you're never too old to learn anything from the young the the younger ones, right and he said you got it he said you got you got it he said, and um he said, what you need to do he said you need to stiff on these motherfuckers <laughs> He said you need to, you need to do the and pose on these people man he said, but you got it, nephew he said, so go ahead and 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 continue your journey, do what you need to do, stay focused you know um on your purpose, and he said, "I guarantee you you'll 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 reach it and you'll see it and you'll get there and man, like that was so profound coming from my uncle who has who was the out of us three is the more advanced one when it comes yeah, to's
0: got the meditation.
1: wisdom I got the wisdom and it just it just it channeled through me, and that's when I realized like okay, all right, so there's more to this." and then I started, that's when I started diving in deeper, you know, to more and more things. And, and, um, you know, I just became a student of, of, of meditation and, and just the principle and understanding the principle of life, man. Um, you know, because again, like that, that breakup with, with football, you know, it just, just, it's like a real relationship. You break up with it and, and you don't get a chance to break up first. And, you know, <laughs> they, they, they just walk away from you and just like I want to go find someone new. It's just like what? What did I do wrong? It's
0: yeah, like, you should, you should they, don't the... they don't even blink <laughs> twice. They don't even give you the courtesy call. Like I miss you in bed, baby. Like maybe just a little taste. It's like nah. Like they're just done, <laughs> moved, on. moved Stone on. Stone cold. <laughs> Stone cold. <laughs> like you not even so... existed.
1: Oh, man, and it's so crushing, and it's just like, well, how do I bounce back? And just like tough luck, you know. Here's <laughs> your service check. You know, I hope this money makes it a little bit, you know, better. Mm. You know, and um, just like man, like you know, like no one cares, and you have to find that care within yourself. You have to find that love within yourself. You have to understand, you know, who you are. You have to see yourself, right? And and that was really big for me, like just being able to see myself and remember to love myself more than anybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's how I was able to to come back to terms like, okay, this is who I am. You know, I understand who I am. And I think, you know, for us athletes, we put that that organization, that team, that shield before us. And, you know, when we put when when we present ourselves, just like instead of saying my name is Joe, Joe Howe. Um, you, you just like yeah. My name is the football player <laughs> Joe. Yeah.
0: yeah, put the brand and the shield before yeah, myself.
1: Before yes, yes. You know, like uh, instead of me saying my my name is P J Daniels or Prince Daniels, I'm just like yeah. My name is the running back, Baltimore Ravens, P J Daniels. You know, I'm an NFL player, uh, and 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 you said your name last, mm-hmm. right? And 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 so in saying that repeatedly. You lose your
0: identity. Mm. Happens and so slowly.
1: It happens That's slowly.
0: Yeah, it's challenging. Man. I really appreciate you opening up and and being so vulnerable, man. You've been on one hell of a journey, and I've talked to a few athletes, and it's it's fascinating the the commonalities to to really when you do lose that identity and that story of who you think you are, you don't know how to navigate that a lot of times guys are confronted with the those suicidal thoughts and, you know, for you to get literally within seconds, like within minutes, you know, before you kind of left your body and had that experience, you were about to go through with it. And I'm really grateful that, you know, the universe called you back because I know you're, you're, you're showing up and, and doing deeper work. And um, I really wanted to dive deeper into the kind of the monk and the monastery and, and, and the work you're doing now. Um, but maybe we can do like a round two. and We can dive into, to kind of the, the lessons in the because I really want to kind of I have a lot of questions around uh, around the monastery and work with monks and the lessons and those books. Like I love books and I want to hear the secrets and everything, but we'll yeah. we'll do round two. Definitely. Yeah. Um, okay. I want to give you an opportunity. We'll do one last question. Then I'll give you an opportunity to kind of plug what you're working on, where people can find you. Um, but f- as far as former athletes going, I mean, you've obviously been through it um, and you've gone down to the deep, dark depths of, of, of hell really. And you've navigated your way out of it what kind of um, pointers advice tips insights would you give to somebody that might be in that spot that they feel like there's nothing else left to do meditate <laughs> <laughs>
1: like uh, for for me to say anything different uh is going against the grain right and Like it really is. That's what it was to me, meditate. And what happens is the brain does what it does best, try to figure out like how is this shit gonna help me. And as you said it best, meditate. It's our medication. It's our ability to see ourselves in a healthy manner. See ourselves. Uh, prospering, see ourselves doing the things that we need that that in, in the way that we envision ourselves, right? Uh, I'll say this. When you're in that space, when you're in that dark space, there's nothing but darkness. And so we all have a light inside of us, so you have to continuously search for that light. And when you can find that light, I guarantee you everything will bloom and blossom in the way that you want. But meditation is the key to you healing yourself, to you finding yourself, to you heightening your level of awareness. Uh, And uh, it's such a subtle observation. This is a subtle thing, but that's all that it takes. It's something that's subtle, that will help take you away from wanting to harm yourself or wanting to do anything in life, you know, that's not going to allow for you to uh, prosper. Uh, So, uh, I say to everyone, you know, meditate. Like, look inside yourself. Go beyond the surface level because the surface level is the superficial level that doesn't really give us a clear vision of who we are. And so when you can go beyond the surface level, then you start to really tap into your envision and you stop watching less of your television. So you have your EV and your TV. Your EV is your ability to envision yourself doing the things that you want to do and seeing yourself in the way that you want to see yourself, you know, and you showing up in your, your, your truest form. Your most authentic form. Your TV, which is your television, will tell you what you think you should be, and if you <laughs> and if you try to live into that, then what happens is uh, you find yourself uh, in 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 struggling in life because you're constantly trying to be something that you are not divinely ordered to be. All right, so. Um, Meditate, meditate, and meditate. You know whether it's one, two, three minutes with yourself, because you have to create the space to be able to see yourself from a distance, so you can have perspective and and know exactly how uh, you need to, you know, conduct yourself to get to where you need to get to. And that's that's that is the the uh, the, the the key. That's the key that I want to share with everybody. Meditate. You know, it's your, it's your, it's your
0: medication. Beautiful, man. I really appreciate it. Um, we'll definitely do this again. I want to dive deeper into all the practices and yeah. <laughs> stuff. That's, that's, um, that's but true. go ahead and, and plug a little bit where where people can find you, what you're working on. I know you got your your book title behind you. Yeah. Very envious that you finished a book. I know <laughs> we talked about me being on my journey. Um, I know you probably talk a lot about your journey in that book. So go ahead and plug where people can find you.
1: Yeah, people can find me at my website prince uh, Right now, I have my six week uh, six week masterclass called "Unlocking Your Peak Performance," where um, I help you get out of your own way, you know, and and focus on your body, your mind, your spirit. And once you're able to do that, you're able to enter the zone uh, effortlessly. Uh, that, and I have a, my podcast, the Prince Daniels Jr. Show as well, where um, I just, just get on there and I speak about you know, my journey, what I've been through in life, what I've discovered, and I have so much more to share. Uh, and I'm, I'm having so many realizations as well. So you get a chance to connect with that. And you can find me on social media by just going to my website and just um, scrolling down to the bottom and seeing my social media handles. So uh, yeah, that's pretty much it
0: beautiful man all that will be in the show notes for you guys that are listening if you're watching on YouTube make sure you hit the subscribe button and uh, I really appreciate you man really appreciate you sharing the wisdom being vulnerable sharing your story I know that those who uh, are listening definitely um, had a positive impact on them I know it had a positive impact on me and I really appreciate you taking the time brother oh man I
1: appreciate you brother for this for this opportunity so um, I gotta get you on my show as well man yeah
0: we'll definitely do that I'll definitely do that Okay, thank you so much, Prince, for for coming on, for sharing your story. Uh, I'm really grateful, really excited to continue the connection. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe. And if you really want to support this podcast, it would be a huge help if you just took a few seconds right now, left a a review, a five-star review rated the podcast share it with your friends if it resonated or you think someone might might you know it might resonate with them uh it goes a long way in helping grow the podcast and reach a wider audience and um yeah all of uh, the stuff to connect with prince will be in the show notes and i uh, really appreciate everybody for listening i love y'all till next time peace